Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Hey, there's a few more people here than last Sunday. That's great. <laughs> we did have a good time uh, last Sunday. It was a little wet here. Uh, I appreciate everybody coming out for our 18th birthday. Indeed, 18 years ago, we were meeting in a cafeteria in a um, retreat center. About uh, Actually, our first meeting, we had about 120 people show up, and um, which was surprising. I wanted cheers for 15 And a great man of faith that I am, so you will understand the sermon today when we talk about faith. I'm still growing in it. And so thank you so much, all of you who have been a part of this, uh, new and have been with us for some time. Thank you for journeying with the Vineyard here in Myrtle Beach. Uh, I'm only excited now even more than I've ever been during the 18 years. Each one of us, including a church, will get to some place, maybe even once or at least once, maybe two or three times in your life where a big decision will have to be made. A decision that probably will put a lot of what you know on the line. And uh, today we are starting, as you can see from the title, Elijah, we're starting a new series for the next four weeks. We're going to take a look at this character in the Old Testament. And if anybody knew about putting their life on the line, and it was Elijah. So I'm really excited about this series. It's a series that should grow our faith tremendously. Uh, let me say, tell you a little bit about preparing for the sermon too. And uh, when I get, when I feel like this is the route that we should take, uh, I start gathering information. I, I mean, it's, it's like uh, if you're a hunter, you understand this. You start scoping out the land. You start looking for this, looking for that. And I, yeah, I do Google searches, but I order books. I, I've got a good library already, commentaries and Greek and Hebrew dictionaries and stuff like that. I've got all of that, but I will go and I will take any information I can find. I will rob, steal, pillage. I'm, well, maybe not rob, maybe some steal. Even though in the vineyard we always say take anything you want from any of us. You know, it's all of ours together. But I will go to any, anybody and take if I know it will help us understand the Scripture better. And in this, I, like I said, I have my library for word studies and all of that. But I also read a book by Stephen Furtick that was really good about Elijah. Uh, Craig Rochelle, Life Church, he had, a great, he had some great notes. Uh, I'm not much into watching you know, the videos, but I love notes and I love to read. So I loved his notes. So I'm using anything and everybody, but I'll promise you this. Anytime I use somebody's stuff, I will not use their stories. Here's the thing about it. I'm old enough to have my own stories now. <laughs> I like my stories. I like what God has done. And so anytime I use someone else's stuff, it's usually their research, the things that they've discovered while they've studied, because all of research is just finding what someone else has already discovered. Most of the times, it will. But I promise you this. If I use anything, I will not tell a story that was somebody else's story for my story. That won't happen. So having said that, you go out and you read everything you can on Elijah and you dig into this over the next month and let's see what we can find out about this guy. Uh, 
Elijah is, uh, well, let me, let me clear up this first because some people get Elijah and Elijah confused. Do you get that confused? You're like, Elijah, Elijah, which one is he, right? When I first started reading the Bible a long time ago, this is the way I sorted that out. What comes before what? Elijah, Elijah, the J comes before the what? S, right? So it's just alphabet. That's the way. I know it's simple, but it's the way I think. I'm like, here's how I can keep these guys before I get to know the stories, before I, I read it enough to get the stories separated. This is how I can tell the difference. And that is that Elijah was Elijah's mentor. And, uh, and actually, as awesome as Elijah was, Elijah was awesomer. I mean, actually, Elijah did more miracles than anybody in the Bible except for Jesus. And, uh, and so, but Elijah, E-L-I-J-A-H, he's the one that did the Baal prophet thing. Remember the 450 Baal prophets? And they were having this, uh, you know, this standoff. And it was Elijah and the 450 Baal prophets. And they were, and see, when you read the scripture in context, you get all this. It just, it's a miracle because the Baal religion, that Baal religion, saw them in control of rain. It was Baal's fault last Sunday. That was it. Uh, you know, in, in control of rain and fertility. And so when you read the stories about what was going on in Israel at that time, and you see God's prophets bringing the rain, holding the rain back, bringing it, or you see a woman like we see in Elijah's life later on, a woman having a child when she shouldn't have had a child because she was too old. What are we seeing? We're seeing an overt slap in the faith to the false god of Baal. In other words, Baal, you don't control the rain. And you don't control fertility. Almighty God does. So when you read these stories in context at the time, you go, wow, that's awesome. To us, we just think, they had a story, weird story, miracle, whatever. But no, all of, the, all of these fabulous miracles and these acts were saying something to the culture at that time. To the Baal, the false gods of Baal. So that was Elijah. And then we're going to come today and we're going to talk about Elijah. Elijah, uh, we're going to be over in 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, if you've got your Bible. Uh, and 1 Kings 19, verse 19 through 21. Elijah is a, uh, he's the, he's a young man. He's probably very uh, fit, extremely fit, because uh, he would plow with 12 pairs of oxen. Can you, remember, can you imagine that, keeping those babies going all the time? And this is a young man who uh, lived in his father's household, a farm. He probably came from a wealthy family. Having, uh, you know, 24 oxen, that's a lot of land to have to, to, to plow, and that's a, a lot to own during this period of time. So he has been faithful, probably in his late teens, maybe early 20s. Uh, he's working hard, and... Uh, this is between about 850 and 790 B.C. during this period of time. Uh, there's great tension in the land, as I said, with not only the Baal, the false gods of Baal, but there's tension within Israel as, as Israel is kind of split at this time. So there's great tension in the land. And God would use prophets like Elijah and a lot of unknown prophets that would come along. And God would speak to Israel, even speak to the pagan leaders at that time, uh, some of them, through these prophets. That was God's voice 
to Israel, to that culture at that time. And so we join in 1 Kings uh, 19. And uh, let, me, let me pray first, and then we're going we're gonna to read it. Father, thank you for our time together on our birthday, our 18th birthday. I do believe you are calling us as a church to greater steps of faith. And I believe that's why Elijah is our topic. I believe that's why you called us to study him. I also believe that in this room this morning, God, there are people that you are calling to make steps of faith in their life in various ways and various situations. Some are business. uh, Some are very personal. Some is a faith step to walk and step toward you. And I pray this morning that you speak to each of us about those steps of trusting you today. Lord, breathe life on your word. Give me the gift of teaching this morning. And we thank you for being here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's read it. 1 Kings 19.19 So Elijah went from there and found Elijah, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become... His servant. Lord, bless the reading of your word. How crazy is this? You're doing your everyday job. You're behind these oxen, plowing away. Young uh, man who is just being faithful in his father's house. That's his view. Only there's like 24 of them out, you know. What a view, huh? Everybody knows who Elijah is. Everybody in the land knew he was a great prophet. And so when Elijah shows up on the scene... And Elijah's plowing along, and he sees the prophet coming over with his mantle. Now, his mantle was made out of probably animal hair. It was just a way of saying, this is the prophet of the Lord. And so, it was one of these moments when you can see Elijah coming in, and that mantle flowing in the wind, and he walks right over to the guy, plowing with the oxen. He takes off his prophet's mantle. And he throws it over the shoulders of this young man that's plowing. Drops the microphone. Walks off. (laughs) Not a word. Nothing. Because everything was said with the mantle being thrown across his shoulders. Now He takes the mantle back because Elijah's still around. But in that moment of throwing that over Elijah's shoulder, he was saying, you are now... My son, you are now my disciple. You are going to carry on when I finish this. Whenever this is over, you're going to take it. And so Elijah just walks off. I mean, I love these prophets, man. You should read some of the things they say to each other and to people. It's like not a whole lot of words, but things happen. And so he takes the mantle off and he walks off. And Elijah is standing there, you know, with his oxen. And he, he, he runs after him. He goes after him. And uh, he says to him, he says, well, can I go back 
and say goodbye to my mom and dad and, and my friends. And I love the response by Elijah. I don't completely understand it, but I love the response when he says, you know, what have I done to you? You know, you could take it like this. What have I done to you? Or what have I done to you? Or what have I done to you that you want to ask this? I mean, you know, you could take it so many different ways. But the way I take it is, look, you've received the call. Now it's your call. That's it. Hey, the mantle's been thrown over your shoulder. Now you decide what you want to do about it. And he walks on off. Well, Elijah goes back, kills the cows and burns the plows. Throws a party. That's a bunch of bull. That's a lot of steak. You know, calls all you knew it was coming. I knew you did. And, uh, you know, calls his friends, his family around, puts the barbecue on, and they celebrate as Elijah begins his new life. You've got a fill-in in your handout if you want to track along this morning with me. And uh, I... When I read this story, I just, again, Elijah's view every single day is oxen rears, right? I mean, if you've got 24 of those dudes out in front of you, can you imagine what comes up behind them? Like, you know, like stepping in it and like, I mean, and oxen poot, man. I mean, that's poot and poop, you know what I mean? With these big old creatures, they've got to be bad. But every day of his life, he's faithful. He's doing what, what he knows to do. He's working hard. He's faithful with his dad. He's a good young man, and then everything changes. There are three things I think that we can take away from this story today, and your first fill-in is this. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Look what he did. Elijah walks over, throws his mantle around him, and it says... Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Like he knew this was a moment in time that only comes around this once for him. You're going to find in your life that there are going to be one or two moments in your life where everything has the opportunity to change. But it's going to take a huge decision from you. And whatever that choice is, it's going to bring glory to God if it's God in it. That big step but it is going to cost you. But you know what we do? We sit there and we go through the details, don't we? I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't... Look at Elijah. Did he say, can I sit down with you, Elijah? Now, you've been a prophet. The Baal prophets, uh, Jezebel scared you. You ran off. Am I still going to have to deal with her? You know, I mean, all these, which he did. Details, I mean, details, details. Did he ask any of that? He didn't ask anything. He immediately got up because it was that moment in time where he knew he had to obey right then. But you know what stops most of us? The start. That's what stops us. We don't start. We keep going through this list. Bang, bang, bang. Like maybe you're thinking about Jesus. You come to church with friends. You do whatever. You're like, you know, I got these doubts, Tim. I just don't know if he's who he said he was. Maybe he's a figment of somebody's imagination. Was he real? Uh, I don't know. Once I realize that he's real, I will believe. And you always, you know, you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. I didn't understand when I, you know, in most of you who follow Jesus, that moment in time when you crossed the line and you said, I believe, you, you understood very little except that God loves you and sent his son to die for you. And that was enough. The details, 
details didn't matter. The only detail you needed to know was that Jesus, the perfect son of God, unblemished, came and died for you so that all your screw-ups and everything you'd messed up on and all your sins could be cleansed and you could start your new life and a life that God would direct from that point on. That's all you needed to know. Now, you know, 44 years later of walking this out, there's a lot of details. There's a lot of details I've experienced, like you guys here now. I couldn't see that back then. I didn't have to settle that back then because some choices in time require immediate obedience. And you will miss that big opportunity if you don't step into it. Elijah runs after Elijah. He leaves his oxen. He leaves his plows. And he runs. You know what else he didn't do? He didn't even pray about it. What a spiritual dude. I mean, I'm not saying don't pray. I imagine he'd prayed a lot before this. But you know what? Sometimes we get to the point we over-spiritualize things. God is saying, step, go. This is obedience. You need to step into it right now. And we go, yeah. You know what? When we, when we have encouragement for people or we feel like God is doing things in people's lives and we go, hey, have you ever thought about this? And we go, well, let me pray about it. You know what that means, don't you? Yeah, you know what that means. Come on. We can own up. It just means I'm not going to do anything with that. That scares the crap out of me. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Now, some of you will pray, but most of us, it's just a way of saying, I'm still spiritual, though. I'm probably not going to do that. Right? But sometimes, we already know. We get to that moment in time, and that is the moment. This is the situation where I don't have the details. I don't need the details. What I need to do right now is obey right now. In this church, we have tried for years, 18 years, to to try to be free enough that if we need to make a course correction at any time, we can do it so that we don't have to know all the details. If God comes in and says something, then we want to make a course correction. Something happened recently that... uh, Three friends, uh, you know, Doug Dorman is, is a member of our church. He was in my youth group when he was like 16, 17 years old, known him for that many years. He's a missionary here in this church, a dear friend, Linus Morris. Uh, you've heard him speak. He's been here, author, seminarian, you know, theologian. Uh, these guys are missionaries. They've been doing it for decades. Linus, for 40 years, 45 years, he's been in Europe, Africa, Brazil. They, He and his Son-in-law, Phil, and Doug approached me and said, would you, would the church ordain us? They've been doing this for 50 years. And I'm like, there's part of me that goes, why? You know, we've only been around 18 years. Linus, you've been doing this for 45 years. you got a track record. He's like, because I love this church. This church loves me. We have the same theological beliefs. We need a church in behind us that knows us and loves us. So in December, they're going to come here. We're going to have an ordination service that Sunday night, December the 9th. We're going to have a good time. But if I've sat and worked through the details of that in my mind too long, I would have missed the blessing. They live in California. Well, you know, Doug lives here, but they live. one lives in Santa Barbara and one lives in Pacific Palisades. Been friends for decades, though. So now we come around them ready to go, ready to step into something. What is God saying to you right now that he's calling you to do, but you're letting the details thwart you? After a while, you can use it all as an excuse, can't you? Like, I just don't know. What's this going to do? You know, how's this going to cost me? All of these things. 
I like what the Jesuits, one of, the, one of their sayings, one of their sayings is, we live with one foot raised. I like that. You know, we could do that in our life. That is God. I'm ready. I'm ready. Whenever you say go, wherever it is, I'm ready. So we live with one foot raised. But you got to be willing to step. Step into it. And you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Of course, Elijah didn't. Uh, I mean, think back to Moses. Moses didn't have all the details. He didn't know everything it was going to cost him to get the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. And yet God said, go. Go. That was it. I mean, did he say, well, you know, he did argue with God a little bit, didn't he? But still God said, go. Go. Abraham. Go. Jesus to Peter, you know. Jesus is out on the water, walking on the water. What does he say to Peter? Does Peter take an inventory of details? He's like, Peter, come on out. If you want to walk on the water, does Peter go, well, you know, the molecules of water won't support a foot. Let me think through this just a minute. How is this going to work? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work. How's it going to work? Details, details. What did he do? Stepped over the side of the boat and stepped onto the water. It was a moment in time to make the step. He didn't need all the details. And look at verse 21. So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. Your second feeling is this. Those God uses the most are the ones that hold on to the least. Those that God uses the most are the ones that hold on to the least. What does he do? He kills the cows and burns the plows. Can you say that? He kills the cows and burns the plows. He kills what will feed him, his profession, and he burns the plows, which are the implements of his profession. And he steps out. He has nothing but that word of the cloak, the mantle being thrown over his shoulder, and he steps out on it. He wasn't holding on to much. This is a picture of the sacrifice in the Old Testament too because when God would do something with, with people, there would be a sacrifice. And Elijah really did make a huge sacrifice. So, I mean, so many of us were like, well, I want to keep my options open. You know, I'm going to, like I got, I got 24 oxen here. I'm going to hide one. You know, I'm going to slide him over and slide him somewhere over there in a plow. Well, this, is a, this plow I might need if this doesn't work out. Man, I, you know, I, you know I, I don't know. So I'm going to hide this plow over here and put it somewhere too. And, but one or two times in your life, for the glory of God and for your future, God is going to ask you. It could be in business. It could be in your marriage. It could be with your children. It could be in the church. God is going to ask you to make a step of faith. And you're going to have to hold loosely onto what you had to let go of it, to step into it. In your marriage, maybe there's lots of unforgiveness, things that have been said that should have never been said. Somebody's got to let go of it and step across the line and say, I am sorry. I am sorry. Someone has got to go, look, 
I am going to step across the line. It's so much easier for me to go, well, what if she doesn't respond? What if he doesn't respond? What if he doesn't change? Details, details, details. What if this doesn't do any good? And all God is wanting you to do is take that step. You let go of your pride. You don't hold too tightly onto it, and you step across. Peter in Luke 5 is, has been fishing. Some of you know the story. He's been fishing, and Jesus comes up on the beach, and he's going to preach. And so, uh, you know, Jesus is a smart guy. And so Jesus says, hey, let me get out in your boat, and let me out on the water just a little bit because it's a natural amphitheater, natural like PA system when you're on the water. The water, you know, your words will carry across the water and then hit the beach. And so more people could hear Jesus when he preached. So Jesus gets in the boat, and he goes out, and he's preaching along. And then when he finishes preaching, he turns to Peter and he goes, what? He says, put out into the deep and throw your nets down. And what does Peter say? He goes, paraphrase, Holt version. Um, Jesus, you're a great preacher, but as a fisherman, you suck. I mean, we've been, we've been out there all night long and the fish ain't biting. You know, I'm a fisherman. I'm a commercial fisherman. This is how I make my living. This is everything to me. If I don't catch fish, I don't feed the family. I know fishing, but that's not where the conversation ends, does it? What does Peter say? He says, but because you say so, but because you say so, I will. Now, does anybody know the rest of the story? You guys read this right here. You know, that's a great story. What happens in that story? They catch a bunch of fish. A bunch of fish. I mean, Peter had fished all night long, and now he's catching a bunch of fish. Is that the, is that the reason, though? Well, Peter realizes he's in the presence of someone very special, that this call to launch out deep and fish was a whole nother step. There was more involved in this step than just fishing, a lot more. Peter just goes, oh, Jesus, there's something very special about you. And what does Peter say? He says, or Jesus say to Peter, he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men now. Then it says they left their boats. Actually, the NIV version says they left everything and followed him. That's that moment. That's their profession, fishing. That's their identity, fishermen. It's everything. And there's a moment in time when God called them to step away from it. And there's moments in all of our times where if we hold on too tight to things, when that one, two, maybe three times at the most in your life, when it's time to make that big push, you won't be able to do it. You won't be able to let go and take the big step. Elijah left it all. He killed the cows and he burned the plows. And that's a huge faith moment. And you know, I mean, I've had my moments like that in this church. All the way back, I mean... The most precious thing to me at one time in my life was my guitar. I, my wife allowed me to buy. It was a partnership. Um, you know, back in 1974, I didn't have a really good guitar, and I wanted a really good one. And a friend of mine here at the beach, Steve, Steve calls me up on the phone. He says, Tim, John Cribb's got one down here right now, Guild D40, 450 bucks. That's a lot of money back in 1974, especially for a guy working construction at that time on the beach, building hotels for his dad. That was a lot of money. And uh, But we got together. We said, let's put the money together. I came down, got it. Oh, I love that guitar. I still got it. You know, it's, the, it's a hole through it where my pick goes. Not as bad as Willie's. But, you know, it's, 
it's all the varnishes off of it. It's just, I love that guitar. And I got a lot of guitars, but I love that guitar. And, uh, and we're in this church probably 10 years later, and the preacher goes, whatever you hold in value and keeping you from the Lord, you need to put it on the altar right now. And immediately I think, my guitar. <laughs> no, no, please, no. And I had it, it was there at the church because I've been playing with the church band and I went and got it and I was like, oh, you know, Jesus, I love you more. I love you more. I honestly do. I don't know what I'm going to do without this. You know, it's like, and so I put it on the altar and then he goes, I was just kidding. <laughs> well, you were just kidding. Do you know what I went through? That was my guitar, man. <laughs> you know, he's like, well, God was just testing your heart. And I mean, there are times where there are things we value highly, but they will keep us from something even more valuable if we hold too many things tightly. It's the most valuable thing of knowing you're in God's will and you're following his direction that true joy and satisfaction lies. And two or three times in your life, God is going to ask you to make that step. Some of you this morning. Some of it's our doubts. We have doubts. Uh, Your third feeling is this. To step forward or to step toward your destiny, you have to step away from your security. To step toward your destiny, you have to step away from your security. Elijah only knew farming. That's all he knew. He had plenty of money. Acceptance. He had a future as the heir of that estate. I mean, talking about security, he had it. And the time came when God asked him, said, are you going to follow me or are you going to follow that? Which one is it going to be? And he did have a choice. He could have chose either one. We have doubts sometimes. We like, we just don't know what it's going to look like in this land of obeying Jesus, you know, and leaving from this spot. Sometimes we, we just overly scrutinize things and we won't even make a choice to follow Jesus. We're just like, we push it to the side because we're, we feel insecure in that. We're like, well, as long as I have a case to build against the belief in God and the belief in Jesus, I feel secure. But if I give that up, what's anybody, what's my friends going to say? Are they going to think I'm stupid or dumb? What are they going to think? You know, and so our security is threatened. But you know, to step toward your destiny and God and calling, you got to step away from your own security at times. That's a part of the thrill. That's a part of the adventure. We don't do it foolishly. We do pray. We ask God, is this your moment? Because I think this only happens two or three times, like I said, big moments in your life. The biggest of which is when you respond to Jesus and you say yes You shove all these little small things aside and you say yes to the call of God to come and follow him. And some of you are going to do that this morning. You're going to do that in just a minute because God is pulling on you, tugging on you, letting you know he's thrown his mantle across your shoulders and he's saying, come on and follow me. There's an adventure out there for you in my kingdom. Come on. I didn't know it was going to lead here 44 years ago. It has been one awesome journey. Your journey begins today. Some of, you will, some of you are facing a decision in your jobs, in your profession. You have an opportunity or you see something and you've been praying about it. And you're like, I think God wants me to make this, but I don't know what this is going to look like on the other side. Today, God is going to speak to you. To step toward your destiny, you have to step away from your security. You know, there is security and monotony in there. I mean, even like, even oxen poop. I mean, you know, every day, 
I mean, you know, you're around things and you don't, you don't notice them anymore, right? I mean, you like out some poop. I mean, Elijah probably, his friends would come over and go, dude, how do you work here? And he's like, what? I mean, every day he's like, you know, oxen butt, oxen poop. You know, no, he doesn't notice it. It's just monotony, the same thing every day. It's getting something done. He's being faithful in his father's house, but he doesn't even notice how the monotony is killing him in a way. But there's security in that. Security of identity, the security of sometimes financial, there's security, and we're not just willing to make the step. Where are you? Where are you in your life right now? Where are you, uh, young man, young woman, in your life with God? Have you stepped across that? Or are you just kind of still looking for details to be worked out? Or have you said, Jesus, okay, wherever you lead, I'm going to follow you. Today's my day. I'll step across it. How about you that are in a position on your job and you know God has called you to something else and something greater, even if it's a rearranging, but you're like, I don't know the details. I can't get it all worked out, but I know God is in this. Are you willing to step across that line to kill your cows and burn your plows and to step into the adventure that God has for you? Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.